Emergency, the exits are here, 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 anywhere. Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet. We name is Hades, Lord of the Dead. Hi, how you doing? We dance, we kiss, we schmooze, we carry on, we go home happy. What do you say? Come on. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Optimism, courage, focus, decisiveness, curiosity, fairness, thoughtfulness, and integrity. These are the principles of leadership of Robert Bob Iger, as described in his book, The Ride of a Lifetime. He writes, These strike me as universal ideas about fostering risk-taking and creativity, about building a culture of trust, about fueling a deep and abiding curiosity in oneself and inspiring that in the people around you. It's about embracing change rather than living in denial of it and about operating always with integrity and honesty in the world, even when that means facing things that are difficult to face. This, my friends, is more than a mantra for this week. It's the core of this very episode. But first, let me be the first to wish each and every one of you a very happy and healthy Thanksgiving, because this is, remarkably, episode 161 of the Disney Guys Uncensored, recorded on Monday, November 21st, 2022. That is Guy, he is Tim, I am Bub, and tonight we take a look at the biggest entertainment news story of the year, Outside of sold-out Taylor Swift tickets, the firing of Bob Chapek, and the return of Bob Iger to the Walt Disney Company on Tim, what was supposed to be a bye week for this podcast, Disney just pulled us right back in. No news, Tim. Let's get right to this incredibly uh, developing story, Tim. Yeah, I gotta say, no news, kind of a misnomer, kind of all news this week. Uh, just one news item. Obviously, we are here to talk about Iger Chapek. Uh, only the second time we've had to do an unscheduled uh, emergency show on a day's notice. The last time, uh, for longtime fans the show may remember, was uh, when Iger announced he was stepping down and Chapek was stepping up in February of 2020. So, uh... This this seems to be be the one that gets uh gets us off the bye week and uh, back on the record to bring you guys the breaking news. So as I'm sure all of you are aware, uh, Bob Chapek yesterday, Monday, November twentieth, was fired by Disney's board of directors effective immediately, and uh, Bob Iger is back at seventy years old, I believe, Bob. I mean. The man looks like he's not a day over uh, over 55, still runs marathons, uh, still looks great. But uh, yeah, so he is back effective uh, yesterday. Tim, real quick, Tim, real quick. It was this for the so in the interest of full disclosure for everybody. It was Sunday, November 20th, not Monday, November 20th. Just just so we're clear. So people understand we are doing the very obvious work. We've switched to the Tuesday schedule, the recording. So this being Monday, just so we're clear, uh, it was Sunday the 20th, not Monday the, the 20th. So um, just, you know, quick fact check for everyone listening. Sorry about that. So, so used to recording on Tuesdays. But yeah, I mean, um, this, I think, caught everybody, the media. This is obviously one of the biggest news stories, period, yesterday. 
Um, so Iger is back. He is serving a two-year term. Uh, it was in the press release uh, by Disney's board of directors and the Walt Disney Company uh, that one of his main tasks will be naming his successor at the end of this two-year term. Uh, I think this is really interesting because uh, it it kind of may have gotten lost in the shuffle, but Bob Chapek was Bob Iger's named successor uh, back in February of 2020. So um, what do you guys think? Did, did, did Iger not make the right choice? Did he get forced into the choice? This is kind of a, a shocking, shocking thing for, for a, a Disney CEO. Disney CEOs typically serve for quite a long time. Uh, and, and Bob Iger was, or Bob Chapek was Bob Iger's uh, chosen successor just, just two short years ago. I mean, just briefly, I'm going to touch in and just say, I think Bob Iger was back, is back to go through the departments and ask the people who aren't getting the job done. Um, I think this is going to be literally from the top to the bottom. Um, and I think he's going to finally get his chance to do what he should have done two years ago and actually pick a real successor versus having one handpicked for him. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think this is one of those situations where uncomfortably so we remember bob Iger had tried to set up a a departure date several times kept coming back uh it was as early as 2017-18 before they ended up uh dealing making the deal for fox with rupert murdoch where he was trying to set up a plan for him to leave there were names bandied about um let, let's be honest the guy like Tom Staggs and a guy like Kevin Meyer were people that were shortlisted. They ended up leaving the company. A lot, a lot of things have transpired in the almost four and a half, five years since the time that Bob Iger was trying to leave the first time. And Tim, to answer your question directly, I don't think we'll ever know if JPEG was necessarily Iger's pick, but you can read the tea leaves and understand that we're reasonably certain JPEG was handed to Mr. Iger as his successor, because I think Bob Iger never really decided on who he wanted, whether it be a Josh tomorrow or, or a Kathleen Kennedy type person or an Alan Horn. And, uh, and guy touched on it, but, uh, Bob Iger is not sparing any time, uh, undoing, uh, some of the major changes that, uh, Bob Chapek put in place. Uh, it was announced this evening, uh, Monday, the 21st, that Kareem Daniel, uh, this was one of Bob Chapek's top lieutenants and the man that uh, he installed as uh, the head of entertainment, media and streaming uh, has been fired. Uh, and Iger in this statement with uh, Kareem Daniels firing a plans to put uh, top creatives back in executive roles in the studio uh, and also another big Chapek move was having business people control the budget of the studios and of the creative departments in Disney. And uh, Bob Iger is moving that budgetary process back into the hands of creative. Uh, this is a very, very different approach uh, to profitability than what Bob Chapek was taking, which is interesting. Basically, Bob, Ch Bob Iger is betting that the key to hitting that target of Disney Plus becoming profitable by 2024 is that um, having creatives in control and putting out better content is going to lead to profitability instead of cutting costs 
and controlling costs and, and and getting profitability from the other direction, which which definitely seemed Chapex modus operandi, not only in the parks, uh, not only with the studios, merchandising, uh, hotels, basically everything was all about cuts to maximize profitability while increasing guest spend. In addition to the studios, which looks like, especially with streaming, I kind of feel at this point, Disney is so all in on Disney Plus that it's make or break. Obviously, that's what led to that precipitous drop in the stock. Um, So major restructuring at the studios needs to happen both for morale and also to kind of really hit those profitability targets. But there has been a massive impact on the parks over the last two and a half years or so that the fans online, the park's most rabid fans, certainly like to place solely on Chapek's lap. I I don't know how true that actually is, and the fan reaction has certainly been something, don't you think, Bob? For sure. I was telling you guys earlier today, but before I get into that, I just want to thank you for not letting us go too deep into the Disney Plus conversation, because you clearly know how much me and Guy had that conversation on Discord today that went on for Guy a healthy 25 minutes. That I we think went that's the most forth. I've ever said on Discord, <laughs> probably ever. No, I was proud of you. It was good, but it was good conversation because I, I taking looking at it from two different sides. I, I think it's very interesting to see what happens with Disney Plus because, and let's be honest, that was an, an Iger baby too. I, I mean, that was what that was an Iger project, and I think that Tim, you said it. We can't get away from the fact that a lot of these problems we're going to talk about, especially when we go into the parks and and Genie Plus in general, uh, Disney Plus in general, all of it. Um, those are Iger projects. Those aren't JPEG projects. Now, listen, before I go into my impact on on the Hail to Dorothy, the Wicked Witch is Dead, which we will talk about, I, I got to tell you, what's the main difference for you two between Iger and JPEG? Because to me, it speaks to one thing and one thing only, and that is one of them is very PR savvy, and one of them is like talking to this corner that I sit in every Monday night or Tuesday night and talk to you guys. Bob Iger makes you feel good as he's, you know, taking your money, to put it cleanly, where Bob Chapek, on the other hand, lets you know he's taking your money and then spits in your eye when he does it. I mean, that's really categorically the main difference between these two guys from the hardcore fan perspective, Tim. Because like you said, and I said this to you guys multiple times on Discord, if you look at the immediate reaction of Bob Chapek leaving this company. It is the equivalent of all of Oz and Munchkinland being freed from the constraints of the Wicked Witch of the West. And here comes the man behind the curtain, Bob Iger, sailing away in his balloon. So long, everybody, coming back to save the day. I know it's reversed because technically he's leaving Munch- leaving Oz at the end of the movie, but at the end of the day, Bob Iger coming back, you would think this is three days after Easter for some of these people. You would think this is the, the, the second coming of Jesus Christ, that Bob Iger is coming back to the company. And I just have the question for them. Do they think anything is going to change? Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. Uh, I mean, some of the fan reactions I've seen, especially on Facebook, in like the comment section of articles it's nuts, and, and on Tim. Reddit, it's, out of control. it's just out of control. Um, there are people who honestly, I think, believe that by next Monday, um, Fast Pass Plus is going to be back. The dining plan yep. is going to be back. Uh, the 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 price increases at the park are going to be um, 
reversed and Tron is going to be open tomorrow and that everything bad that has happened with Disney in the last two years is entirely JPEG's fault. Guy, you were going to say something? Yeah, so I think of Bob JPEG, um, and I don't mean to get into any sort of political conversation, but I always thought when Bob JPEG was done with Disney, uh, he was going to be kind of looked back at like George W. Bush was looked back at as a president who, when he was in office, Republicans didn't like him. Democrats didn't like him. And then once he was out of office and his successor was in and was doing a good job, then people started talking like, yeah, I guess it was pretty cool when he threw out that first pitch. And yeah, I guess he was just kind of a likable guy. And then he started painting and then you saw him with Michelle Obama and you're like, ah, you know, I guess this guy wasn't so bad. And I thought that's how people were going to look back at Bob Jaybeck as someone who got the, the company through COVID. Um, which was an impossible task. And honestly, I think that's why he lasted as long as he did. I think they would have pulled the plug on him a lot sooner if he didn't handle the whole COVID situation a lot better. Um, where Bob Iger can kind of fix a problem that, you know, Chapek is sort of responsible for is he can do little changes. Like you said, you know, dining plans probably not coming back. Um, you know, fast passes are certainly never coming back. But if they can do small changes like, hey, you know what, this whole thing, we've seen the videos of you walking into Animal Kingdom at 2 p.m. and then walking right out because that was the only reservation you could get. That needs to go. When you buy a ticket, I mean, I'm going next week, you know, my ticket's good from December 1st to December 5th, and that's it. So they need to figure out, you know, with a park hopper, they have to take into account that you might go to any of those parks. And I don't think that that's something that they can't handle, especially now. Um, I think crowds are really going to start going down just based on what the economy is doing and what the demand is. All those revenge travel people, I think, are going away. Uh, Jordana was talking to a client today who was down at Magic Kingdom, and Genie Plus was $29. And I don't – Genie Plus certainly isn't going anywhere, but like people aren't – eventually people are going to get fed up with that. And I think they need to get out ahead of it a little bit and just make some small concessions. And if they grandize them like their big announcements, like their big deals, like their big apologies, like, oh, we heard you. And let me tell you something that that's not going to happen again on our watch. I think they can get a lot of positive publicity from it. The people are already wanting to like Bob Iger back in power. They want to root for him. They want to pretend everything's going to change. And I think if you come out and you just make small increment announcements, I think you can kind of get away with it and make it seem like it's more than it really is. Yeah, and I think so, the other thing that Bob Iger could really bring is um, Bob Iger is kind of a singular figure in the world of um, large corporate CEOs. He is um, a, a PR guy. He's a, a, a CEO who is somehow likable when, when very, very few CEOs are, both to the people who are fans of his company and to his own employees. Uh, and, and that's huge for Disney. Um, I, I don't know how many people know, but Disney really trades on its corporate culture. Uh, Disney does not pay great really at any level. Um, its professional division is really pays below what other people are doing, be it engineering, programming, IT, animators, visual effects art. Disney is notorious for paying less than everybody else in the industry because people simply want to work there. And uh, I have definitely seen um, people on, on Reddit, people giving um, 
anonymous quotes to articles that uh, Chapek was the ultimate culture destroyer. When he went in and he realigned the divisions and he changed it from creative people leading divisions to business people leading divisions, um, all those people who were really there because they wanted to work at Disney. Their primary reason for working to Disney was they wanted to work there. And all of a sudden now that magic was gone for them. You had people leaving WDI in droves. You had people leaving their visual effects studio droves. And you for damn sure had the people making 15 to $20 an hour as frontline cast members in the parks getting any other job in Central Florida than keep dealing with everything that has gone on with the parks since they reopened from COVID. So hopefully Bob Iger can really bring back that Disney magic, not just to the guests in small, inexpensive, but effective ways, as Guy talked about, but also bring that Disney magic back to the workers and really re-energize Disney as a company. Uh, because with Disney, what they're struggling against, you can't really have light years and Eternals and any number of these really lackluster movies that still cost hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars and, and, and aren't turning a profit. Um, so I, I really hope that that Iger's, you know, kind of magic as a CEO could, can bring the magic back to the Disney company at, as a whole. What would Iger have done differently with Eternals or Lightyear? And, and, and for that matter, while we're on the topic, because as much as we like to poke fun at a guy like Bob Chapek and, and how he is, and we like to worship the ground that Iger walks on, and you've heard me wax poetic about missing the days of Michael Eisner and when he was here in the late 80s and, and into the mid-90s, I think that here's here's the problem that you have with these types of guys and these types of positions. I've had people, and much like you guys have, I'm sure, and Jordana has, reaching out to me all morning, all day, people that I talk to outside of here and, and wanting to know, you know, what happened? The, the whataboutism with the, oh, the high price. What about the high prices? Are they going to come down? Like we said, no, no. The, the thing is, what about the workforce? Well, here's the thing. Every company in the last three years, every consumable sector in the world has had those problems. Doesn't matter if Michael Eisner was the CEO. Doesn't matter if Bob Iger was the CEO. Doesn't matter if Walt Disney himself was still alive in the CEO. You're going to have the consumable problem, the consumable products problem of supply and demand being high, costs being high, and lack of workforce. People didn't want to go back to work after COVID. I'm not that guy that's saying to you, listen, I worked through the pandemic. I, I worked at a job that had the ability to work from home a couple of days a week. Not everyone has that. But people don't want to go back to work once they had that. I'm not judging people. I'm just saying that is a fact at this point that you can't get people to take like Tim said, these fifteen to twenty hour, fifteen to twenty dollar an hour jobs. It just it's it's in every sector of the world, not just Walt Disney World, not just the Disney Company. To fire Chapek for that is, in my opinion, the most self gratifying, self uh, I don't even know piece of buying back positive PR that I've ever seen to bring back a guy that is like Tim said, universe is as universally beloved as Bob Iger. To just say Bob Chapek, um, 
people aren't happy with you. That's not the route here. The Disney Plus, and Guy loves to talk about this point, being shortfalled by $1.2, $1.4 billion, and the original content being too expensive. And like Tim said, with with Eternals not doing well and, and Lightyear not doing well, it, Bob Iger doesn't change any of that. What Bob Iger does is buy them positive PR because he is so universally beloved. To me, I think what gets lost in all of this before we go on, but what gets lost in all of this is the disrespect for Bob Chapek as a businessman and as an intelligent human being. He's not the most savvy guy. Bob Chapek is a businessman. He's not Walt Disney. He's not a dreamer. He's not a creative guy like Bob Iger is. That's not you got Bob Iger started at ABC Television 40 years ago as a page to the Today Show. Bob Iger has been around creative people his entire career. Bob Chapek, on the other hand, has been in a consumer division where they sell based on corporate synergy, that this toy is hot. That's what he did. It's fine that he did it that way. It pissed a lot of people off in the company, out of the company, people like us. That's fine. But here's the thing. Bob Iger looks at Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind and says, how much merchandise can we sell on that? No, that's fine. Bob Iger looks at Cosmic Rewind and says, what kind of memories can we create from that? Because, listen, you can't buy anything with memories, but just, you can buy the PR. Just for the record, you, Bob Chapek looks at and says, yeah, so Bob Iger sure. for both. Yeah, <laughs> sure. But there's a lot of Bobs here. Chapek yeah. looks at Guardians and says, what, can we, what kind of money can we make out of this? Bob Iger looks at it and says, what kind of memories can we build with this? Now, here's the thing. You're, you're confusing two things. I'm confusing two things. You cannot buy anything with memories. What you do do is instill a sense of corporate family, the Disney brand, into the consuming family of that product. Where maybe they don't buy that t-shirt, but they have those memories forever. And those people right there say, man, we went to Disney World. They tell a friend, you've got to go check out Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. It's got everything you love, Tim. It's got the Guardians. It's a roller coaster that propels you backwards. Where Bob Chapek only sees dollar signs, Bob Iger sees a way to cultivate customers and consumers and family guests for the next 50 years of this company, for the next 100 years of this company, where Bob Chapek sees dollar signs. And I think at this point, Bob Chapek would have been better off staying as like a CFO type and handling the bean counting and not trying to be a creative leader of a company that so desperately relies on creative experiences and, and that, that experience that that's something that intrinsic experience, something like Joe Rody would talk about that brings people back to your parks and back to your company. And Bob Chapek wasn't it. Yeah. I mean, I think those are all great points. And what I really think has happened here is that it was a tipping point with Bob Chapek because there's no way that I mean, how many times did you and I and Drew in 2021 and late 2020, whenever something Bob Chapek did was unpopular and there was fan outrage and we said, guess what? He's not going anywhere because he's making right. the board more money Correct. than they have ever made in history while the freaking parks are closed. And we said that over and over again. But Disney has to be aware of how much the fans hated him and blamed him for things. You have discontent in your rank and file workforce directed at him. 
And now we know that those blind items that ran over the summer about high level executives in the company not mm -hmm. liking him. Uh, the, the CNBC ran a piece today that there was an insurgency of top Disney executives who went and met with the board and, and fomented the events that led to this ouster. And, and actually, none of that affects it until the earnings report comes out. Correct. And now yeah. that thing that we said, hey, we may not love JPEG, you may not love JPEG, but guess what? The board and the shareholders love JPEG. But when Disney had the largest single day stock price drop in the history of the company, all of a sudden that one tent pole that was still popping, propping up JPEG is now gone. And all the pieces are in place for them to say, get this guy the hell out of here. And I think that's what happened. And, and it sounds like Iger really campaigned for himself to come back and maybe had second thoughts after being credited as naming Chapek as a successor. Um, there was a, a, a long piece about a year ago that ran The Hollywood Reporter that said that was basically while Bob Iger praises Chapek in public, that he is critical of him in private. Uh, and then just on the 17th of this month, a couple of days ago in, in Graydon Carter, Carter's newsletter, uh, a piece ran that said that um, Bob Iger openly is critical of Bob Chapek in gatherings with his peers behind closed doors. It, it, it sounds to me like Iger also was the one who kind of tipped that domino and said, let me try again. Give me another chance to pick the right, right person to run this company, because there's nothing more important in Bob Iger's life than the future of the Walt Disney Company. This is a man who is right. 70 years old and richer than any of us could ever imagine being, does not need to do this job, this very difficult and demanding job, and has asked to come back to it after having tried to retire for over 10 freaking years now and not found a suitable replacement. He does not want Bob Chapek to be the legacy he leaves. So I, I, I think that's kind of it's, what happened kind of that set legacy. this all in motion. It's a tough legacy. When you, when you talk about legacy, what is truly a legacy? And Bob Chapek running this company, for better or worse, was Iger's legacy at this point, Tim. You're right. And, and that, that's what happened. I think we've spent a lot of time talking about the Bobs, as it were. There's what another guy. The guy. What, about, what about the little guy, though? What We're talking about, about Josh? No, 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 no. We're not getting to Josh. I'm not ready for <laughs> Josh. Because that's going to be all another conversation. We talk about these two guys as singular entities. We've talked about how Iger is with people and, and we, Tim, we, we, me and you have on this show numerous times talked about how Iger is with people. And I don't know that guys ever had the pleasure of listening to us ramble incoherently about Bob Iger and how he feels about the people. But I think for me, one of the big things here is the way he treats the popcorn seller on main street or the balloon salesman at the parade or that young ride operator, the young lady that, that's ride operating at Space Mountain. For whatever reason, those people like Bob Iger more than like Bob Chapek. It's, it's after a year plus of general indifference, and that's, I think I'm being kind when I say how Chapek treated the hourly employee, per se, was the, the hourly cast member, was a general indifference to them. Uh, Tim, you've gone ad nauseum about the the deals being made or not being made with the local acting unions with the set and just the way he he 
used hourly cast members as pawns, for lack of a better term, in, in a lot of conversations, they've got to wake up this morning feeling a little better about the direction of the company. No? No, I, I for sure. I mean, he, not to use a political analogy, but, but you know, guy kind of broke the seal on that. He, he is one of those guys who has this rarefied almost aura about him that very few men do. And often those men are in politics, which is why I think so many people threw around him as yep. a dark horse president candidate so many sure. times. But he he's really got that same je ne sais quoi that a JFK or an Obama or even in some ways Trump has where they are a singular presence that fills yep. a room and makes people feel something when they are around him. And, yep. and Bob Iger, I mean, um, Bob Chapek was just a guy who started his career in a business department at Heinz and wore a suit and probably didn't give a shit about what, uh, you know, why it was important to still have Tomorrowland Speedway because it's a it's a foundational experience ride or why the Fantasyland Dark Rides are important to the history of the company. But Bob Iger doesn't even need to say those things or even necessarily care about them because he his presence and his demeanor and the way he carries himself around guests and, and rank and file employees makes them feel that their concerns and their feelings and their thoughts are shared. I mean, I think we all can relate to just as simple as it is, is just having a boss that, you know, that cares. Um, I mean, not all of us are back in the office still, but like there's two types of bosses you kind of have. You have the boss who can have an easy conversation with you and the boss who can't the boss and like my the president of the company I work for will, you know, ask like, oh, how's Jordana? When Sal turned four, he said, right. hey, I, Sal just turned four, right? Was thinking right. about him. Happy birthday. And there's no way that he could possibly remember that. I'm sure he just put it in his calendar at work on his computer. Right. And then when that pops up, he goes, oh, let me just shoot yeah. guy an email and say, hey, tell Sal I was right. thinking about him. Happy birthday. And just that little extra level of caring can make the world a difference. And I think that's what Bob Iger does than Bob Chapek is when Bob Iger pretends, I don't not really necessarily pretend, but when Bob Iger pretends to care about the little guy, it's a lot easier to believe because Bob Iger actually cares about the little guy. And he right. can sit there and he's able to have a normal conversation with them. Whereas in Chapek, it's kind of foreign to him. He doesn't know how to talk to those people. You can tell he doesn't deal with those people in his everyday right. life. And he thinks of those people as less than. And anyone can feel that. You don't have to right. work up the corporate ladder to understand that this person has no respect for me. He doesn't treat me as a human. And when you have Disney employees that are still literally homeless, working for the company, you at least right. you better work for somebody who at least pretends that they like you. And I just think that, you know, that's a lot where Chapek lost him is he lost the ants. Well, that's a classic Bugs Life reference for you if anyone's paying attention. It, I like it. it. A, I appreciate it. Is it a Bugs Life reference or is it an ants reference? The world may never know because those two movies are confusingly similar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's so true when guy when when you're talking about it and again i can't stress enough though 
And I'm not weeping for Bob Chapek losing his job. Let me be abundantly clear about that. I just, does it make him a bad person that he isn't Bob Iger? Because that's what the general consensus is, is that he is less than Bob Iger. And I don't know from a business standpoint that that is an entirely accurate statement. You could argue that Bob Chapek might have been the best businessman that's ever run this company from a traditional business standpoint. So the only thing I would push back on that is we basically now know that that unnamed executive who had lost confidence in him over the summer and res- right. rallied the troops of the other executives to say this guy is not fit to lead was Christine uh, McCarthy, who, right. who is Disney's CFO. And, and right. that is – that is the most businessy business position in a large company. The but, but CFO of Disney. Know, but do you know who Christine McCarthy is best friends with, worked side by side with for 15 plus years as the CFO of the company? Bob Iger. She worked for Bob Iger. I, listen, I'm not saying I'd rather work for Bob Chapek. What I'm saying to you is I, when you have the, the opportunity between the two, listen. It's it's the it's the classic conversation of if you can be in the foxhole with Anthony Bourdain or Guy Fieri, you're picking Fieri every time. Fieri's saying dope shit like welcome to Flavortown and throwing a grenade at people. And Bourdain's telling food courts they suck, wearing Rolling Stones t-shirts. Like, so here's the thing. Obviously, you'd rather work with Guy Fieri. He's got racing stripes on his refrigerator, for God's sakes. That's Shane Taylor. Check him out. He's very funny. But at the end of the day, you, Tim, if you had the opportunity to work for Bob Chapek, great businessman, but a dick, or Bob Iger, dreamer, Great guy, maybe not his savvy business, but still a an a tops businessman. I'm not I'm not minimalizing what Iger is as a businessman, but Chapek is a ruthless Gordon Gecko esque businessman, and now you have a guy with a heart. You're gonna you're gonna choose Iger every time. Why wouldn't Christine McCarthy do the same thing? And the problem that hurt Chapek too is when he got let go. Bob Iger is gonna get rid of all the Chapek's guys. As Chapek came in, Bob Iger's guys are there, and they're not going anywhere. So he was at a disadvantage from the start, too. No, for sure. And I, I think the other thing, and I think you kind of were, were dancing around it with your point, is um, people seem to think that, you know, Bob Chapek's this bad guy. The fact of the matter is Bob Chapek is just your run-of-the-mill, extremely rich business ghoul. And, and unfortunately, <laughs> in, in the fallout of – 2020 in the fallout of of covid and and really exposing the ugly underbelly of american capitalism people in america who were not really engaged on that level are much more aware of how wretched this system that everything runs on kind of is so when you have a guy like that running the Mickey Mouse Company, and instead you can have the guy who seems like your cool uncle running the Mickey Mouse Company. People are going to assume that, like, the cool uncle guy is a way better person to run the Mickey Mouse Company than your business goblin that that you kind of now know are not the best people and not making the best choices for the vast majority of people. Completely fair. I just don't want this to turn into a hit piece on Bob Chapek, because I think what we'll see over the next 10 days 
are plenty of hit pieces on Bob Chapek. I want people to understand from a direct business standpoint, Bob Ch- you could do a lot worse than what Bob Chapek did for this company over the last two years. And I, I think it's very – listen, Tim, we've talked about it before about – a divorce is always messy at the end. The end of a relationship is ending for a reason. Michael Eisner is revered in Disney circles for the first 10 years of his career. And as he progressed and as things failed, Eisner became much more reclusive and much more Chapek-esque, shall we say, in terms of how he managed projects and how he leveraged finances against certain things and cut budgets here. And So listen, but people loved Eisner. People loved Michael Eisner for, for 10 or 12 years of his of his run. What Bob Iger got when he left this company, for some reason, was a virtual, limitless diplomatic immunity for any problems that he left Chapek to clean up. No, I mean, you're... No you're, one... You're, <laughs> I, I've never... And we talk about guys being Teflon on this podcast a lot. The next guy up... Is gonna. I, I still can't wrap my head around everyone just giving immunity to Josh tomorrow for the park problems. But Bob Iger, when he left the company, people were like, oh my God, Bob's leaving. Oh, we're going to miss him. Bob Chapek, you after this up. I, I just, I have a hard time with the complete immunity to Bob Iger. No, it's strange because there are notable Bob Iger gaffes uh shanghai disney went wildly over budget uh bob Iger, that was his baby he wanted that thing to not be hong kong to not be uh you know speaking of eisner he did not want that to be euro disney so he just just kept throwing good money after bad until that park is a technological marvel is is a singular theme park um it's it's an incredible park tim yeah and but though the the reap the financial repercussions from that are oh, still being crazy. felt, but no one talks about that. You do not yep. hear anyone saying, right. huh, it's- are some of these problems because you know Iger bought Marvel, bought Star Wars, bought Fox, piled tons and tons of money onto uh onto Shanghai Disney, started this decided this was when Disney was gonna enter the streaming wars, and then waltzed on out. No, right. like Bob Chapek, either it, he has to take the brunt for for all of that, and it is fascinating uh, how much personality and public perception really shapes the narrative yes. around all of this stuff. It's 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 mind blowing. It, and again, I I'm I'm happy at the end of the day. This move obviously had to be made. It was an untenable situation, whether they quote unquote heard the noise in the locker room or not. Um, Bob Chapek, I think, as self-aware as he seems, absolutely knew what people were saying online, on on podcasts, not maybe not this podcast, but podcasts in general. I think I think there was a general sense that Bob Chapek knew exactly what people thought of him. And I don't think he really gave a damn until Sunday night at about 930, because we went to bed Saturday with not an inkling that Bob Chapek was going to be within 24 hours not the CEO of Disney anymore and that Bob Iger would be back. So I, I just, I, I think it's a tough spot for a guy like Bob Chapek who isn't savvy at all to deal with following a legend like Bob Iger. Very similar, and since we are a New England-based podcast, what people say about how difficult it is for 
Cam Newton and or Mac Jones to replace a guy like Tom Brady. It, you've got to be able to separate the two. And Disney fans, and to an extent now it seems like the board and some of the managing uh, department managers and executives weren't able to separate Iger from Chapek, or they were too good at separating Iger's mistakes and giving them to Chapek. But there's one guy in particular, Tim, that I have a real problem with today. I, I yeah, this, a real this is problem. With. This is just we've talked about this before. It is continues to blow my mind. <laughs> Obviously, blows yours, guy. I'm sure you feel the same way. Josh Demaro skates again. This <laughs> man is Teflon. Absolute Teflon. No one has ever blamed this man for anything, despite Again. the most prevalent complaint, whether you are the mainstream media, the enthusiast media, our podcast, any other Disney podcast. The number one complaint is the parks do not have the magic anymore. Things are bad. Things are worse. All these changes suck. Every change they make is worse. They're not announcing anything new. And yet the head of parks, resorts and experiences takes no blame whatsoever. Not only does he take no blame, guy, people treat him like a friggin' rock star. I mean, you want to talk about getting into politics. He's got the face for politics, and I think oh, no one no one has gotten more out of a nice-looking face than that guy. It's um, unbelievable. So what Josh Amaro started, and I've made this point before in a previous podcast, but what Josh Amaro started out as was the vice president of Animal Kingdom, whose star literally exploded, literally on the backs of Joe Rody and Tim, I always screw this name up, Tim Warshekia, whatever, the project manager for Pandora. Of, um, and once that happened, he became the face for what parks are, and he's been the problem ever since he stepped into that position. I mean, the fact that you had Epcot for years, and still, to this day, just walls everywhere. You had to walk a mile and a half to either get to, you know, the seas or to get to, you know, the countries like everything was all screwed up. And then it's just been gaff after gaff after gaff after gaff. And he just keeps skating with it. Um, the price is going up. The Magical Express going away. The reservation system not having dining plan, not having annual pass holders for people outside the state of Florida. And yet he just keeps getting away with it with little to no blame. And I can't figure out what that reason could possibly be other than people just think, hey, you know what? This, this is a good looking guy. Let's cut him some slack here. No, I mean, there, there's, there's no way that obviously when COVID first hit, you have to stop construction on Tron. It universal stopped construction also. But once it became clear that an activity like outdoor construction was something that you could resume and, and Universal said, hey, you know, eventually these parks are to reopen it and we need to continue to have new attractions. So they resumed construction on Velocicoaster and, and Hagrid's and Disney did not resume construction on Tron that there's no way that that was a Bob Chapek call like that has to be the call of, of the president of Parks and Resorts, Josh Tomorrow. But for some reason, the, the blame, again, is another thing just falls into Chapek's lap. I think Chapek set himself up for that, and then he burned him, his bridge that way, too. I think at first, when COVID struck, 
he thought, you know what, a leader is going to take all the blame. And he started taking the blame for things. And then eventually he dug his hole too deep that he got buried in it. But guys, what's behind Thunder Mountain? I have seen so many people think that we are going to find that out way sooner rather than later because Bob <sighs> Iger is back. And that blows my mind because once again, Bob Iger did not get brought back because they, you know, wanted a smiling, friendly face. Bob Iger got back so that they could fix the stock drop. So right. finding out what's behind Thunder Mountain probably seems less likely than it did a couple weeks ago. If I have so, another 50 years on this planet, I don't expect to ever find out what's behind Thunder Mountain. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. I mean, I, I think you're a 50 years guy. We're, we're expanding life. Ex- life expectancy is higher than it's ever been. I don't know that's true anymore. That's not true. That's not I, true anymore. I, two years have dropped now for the first time in human history. So, Tim, I have a question for you. You've done a great job of attempting to keep me and Guy on track, which is much more difficult for my end because I have a tendency to ramble. But I have a problem, not problem, I have a question for you that I want you to kind of run with and see where you go. I I need to know, because you're in tune, you, you, you are a little more in tune with the, the social media's people. What does Iger bring to the table two years later that he's the only guy they called? Other than the fact that he's... A warm body who is, again, very well liked and has done the job before and it won't be too big for him. They won't have to train someone on the job. I, I get that part of it. But but what does he bring to the table to fix any of these problems? Well, for one, I, I don't think he's the only guy that they called. I think he's the only guy that called them. So I want to get That's that fair. clear. I, I very okay. strongly believe that. I believe that with everything we know now in the last 24 hours that this whole move was – largely initiated by Iger's camp, both officially and unofficially. That said, um, I think the best hope for Bob Iger in the next two years, while he searches for his mythical successor, which I won't even speculate on. I have no idea who that possibly is. Well, uh, I don't have ideas. strong feelings about who <laughs> that could be. Um, but I think I think what he brings is a steady hand. I, I think he ba- brings undoing the changes in the corporate structure, as I've said, mm-hmm. that, that that Bob Chapek did that were viewed as negative by both the, the board, the executives and the rank and file. And I think he brings a, a creative bent to leadership back. And I think most of what he does is likely on the studio side of the house and not the park side of the house. I think I think what we know as the long term plan for the parks or the, the I should say the medium plan in terms of the parks stays on track, stays on the same pace it's on. And maybe, as as Guy said, we get some some little relief that doesn't cost the company a ton of money, but buys the company goodwill for less than the monetary cost, be it bringing back the dining plan, be it bringing back traditional park hopping. Uh, I do think I, I agree with Guy. I think reservations are here to stay. I think that's just the new normal. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to see a out-of-state annual passes back any day now, um, especially since pricing has, was, was announced prior to JPEG leaving. Uh, but I think really, at the end of the day, what Bob Iger brings to the table is a steady hand. And so this isn't a, you know, a question you could even answer to, but it feels like JPEG really lost um, a lot of people too when he got into that snafu with Ron DeSantis. And we don't have to go into it too deeply. Yeah. 
But that's just not a snafu I see Bob Iger getting himself into. You either make a stance right in the beginning or you don't make a stance at all. You don't try to dip your toe in the water one way or the other. And I think that's really when he lost the rank and file employees and then he lost the public perception, too, of just like what a leader is. You can tell he just eventually felt the pressure of that moment and felt he had to do something Whereas if he, you know, thought it was a better idea just to stay out of it, he should have had the balls to stay out of it. Or if he thought it was wrong, he should have had the balls to step in right away as one of the biggest corporations in the state who and, you know, you had your employees backing on that stance. I think that's where he lost them. And I think that's just something that Bob Iger that wouldn't happen to him. That would never happen to him. And I think that's that emotional intelligence with Bob Iger that we we were talking about. I, I I 100 percent agree. Um, I think that was a huge part of his downfall was was, you know, what I think his downfall was I think his downfall was when he continued to stay bald and grew the beard like Obadiah <laughs> Stane from Iron Man when he wanted to dress as a supervillain. He was pretty much Ironmonger. But if you look at him, he's just the grateful. He looks like Jeff Bridges from Iron Man. 100 percent. Swear to God. Check it out. I'm telling you, I'm not making this stuff up. I, I love Bob Chapek. I think he was great for the company for the time that he served. But at the end of the day, it is time to move on from Bob Chapek. And Bob Iger is the guy, I guess. Tim, you buried the lead. Because, uh, listen, do you think tomorrow's got a chance at being the successor? I, I Do you think he's got the chance? I don't know. He His name never came up in the original talks in any Correct. serious way. And, and I mean, I, people I, speculated that it was going to be him, but right. The, but the same, the same people who speculated it was going to be him are the same people who don't blame him for anything and don't really have a, a good understanding of what he is outside of, you know, being tall and handsome. Um, Those count for something. It, it, it's actually a, a huge thing <laughs> in the corporate world. Uh, but that that's a conversation for another day. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I think we we have to see a. a a big change in what what Josh DeMauro's position in the public media facing role for this company is. We mm-hmm. need to see a lot more of those interviews um, with the big uh, business media outlets where it's, you know, Bob Iger in one chair and Josh DeMauro in the second chair yeah. talking about hyping up the company and the future plans. And we need to yeah. see the guy has no media experience, not media as yeah. in giving interviews, but no, right. he, he doesn't have a studios background. And at the end of the day, I mean, Disney is an entertainment studio as much as it is a theme park company. And now with the way they've hitched their, all their horses to Disney Plus in the long term, it, it's got to be more of a media company than a theme park company. So I'm just not sure if Josh DeMauro is ready for that role in two years. He's also not very old. So it, it doesn't mean that the next CEO will preclude Josh DeMauro from being the CEO after that. Now, Bob, you seem of the three of us to have. I'm bullish. You, you, you seem people. to have. Well, one, you're, you seem to be bullish on DeMauro, but you also seem to have some more informed um you know, kind of an alternate list of candidates uh, that you've thought so, about, it seems like more than the guy or I. So I think that's always the play. You always wonder what's coming next, because 
if um, I, and I can't imagine that Iger is going to extend. He'll be 72 in February, so I don't know that Iger is going to extend beyond 2024. I'd be shocked if he extended beyond 2024. Maybe he takes an advisory role for his actual successor. I, I think that's plausible, but in terms of a day-to-day operation, I can't imagine he extends it like he did this last time. Um, I will say back at the turn of, what was it, two, when did Iger... 2005 is that when Iger started is that when he replaced Eisner I remember there was a Forbes article about a year before I have the magazine downstairs on my bins and and Eisner and Iger were on the cover and it was something that the future of Disney's world let's say was the name of the article and there was a there was there was a globe between them and there was a a Mickey Mouse silhouette on it very famous cover Yep, it was Eisner and Iger. That's what you want to see then. You want, and maybe not with Josh, but you want to see Iger and someone have that kind of connection where it is, this is who it is, that's it. There can't be this, could be this person. Could, you want a 100%, this is who it's going to be. So I agree with you. Uh, in, in that instance, I will tell you the first three names on my list probably aren't going to be that way. I, I thought about a guy like Tom Sags or Kevin Meyer coming back. They they co-founded Candle Media when they left the company. They're doing really well for themselves. Just had an IPO at the uh, beginning of uh, 2001, uh, 2021, sorry, uh, where they, they made uh, hundreds of millions of dollars on their IPO for that company. So I don't think either of them comes back to run Disney. I, I would have said uh, initially Kathleen Kennedy was an outside candidate for the position coming from the movie side and maybe they split the job into what they did with Eisner and Wells back in the day where Eisner ran the parks, Wells ran the the content, which I still think is a believable split of the job. I just don't know that that's something that Kathleen Kennedy is going to do at this point. Uh, She seems to have her hands full, uh, kind of being the Kevin Feige of Star Wars. Um, So I I honestly think Kathleen Kennedy is off the table. And I will take Christine McCarthy off the table as well, because I think Disney's learned from bringing a traditional – CFO bean counter type person. I love Christine McCarthy. I think she's a great CFO. Uh, If you've ever heard her speak, she is otherworldly intelligent. Uh, Anything I've ever seen her do, she's she's a brilliant, brilliant businesswoman. Uh, But I don't know that running the company is for her for the same reasons that I think you'd have with JPEG. You'd you'd almost have to split the job into a creative and a financial role. Um, So let's get down to the real people. I honestly think a guy like Alan Bergman... Uh, who's part of that committee uh, to kind of reorganize the structure now that Kareem Daniels is gone, is a guy that you should really look at. He's currently the chairman of studios content. Um, He's a really smart guy. He, again, Tim, maybe the next cycle, because he's a little bit younger too. He's, he's, uh, I think he's only 50, mid fifties, which is kind of young for for the CEO of this company. Um, I will say Rebecca Campbell is a name that people talk about, in these articles, uh, she is the chairwoman of international content and operations. And I will tell you right now, hand to God, I believe the next CEO of the Walt Disney company is going to be a woman. I don't think it's going to be Rebecca Campbell. Um, and I don't think it's going to be James Pitaro either, who is currently the president of ESPN. He has his own problems with ESPN and, and their profitability margins are a little bit different than they were. Uh, but I think James Pitaro is a, a future leader of this company in some way, shape or form. To me, it's Dana Walden is the name that you guys want to remember. She's the chairwoman uh, of Disney general entertainment content. That woman is brilliant. That's your next CEO. She's also on that 
team that's restructuring the organization. Uh, Christine McCarthy, Alan Bergman, Dana Walden, and Janice Pataro were the four names on that uh, committee that is reorganizing. So uh, to me, it's Dana Walden is the answer as the next CEO. I don't know how close she is with Iger, though, but I will tell you, to me, outside looking in 20,000 square, 20,000 feet view, I think Dana Walden's the next CEO of the Walt Disney Company because that's just me speculating, Tim. It's Dana yeah, Walden's the answer. A lot, a lot can change in two years, but I, I think you're onto something. I think it, it almost very strong vibe that it, it, it's it's got to be a, a woman leader, and, and that list is limited. I am not as bearish on Christine McCarthy as you. Um, she is is a very close Iger confidant. Yeah, um, it, it will be interesting to see. Um, I'm also not willing to count out Bob Iger. Um, Bob Iger doesn't extend. Bob Iger has said he wasn't going to extend and extended before. Uh, He will be 72 in two years. That also doesn't matter. The man doesn't look a day over 55, as I said earlier. He's in fantastic health. He's in fantastic shape. Um, (laughs) He's a a very active, uh, you know, still runs marathons and stuff. So if I think if, if the bug bites him, and uh, Disney is doing great in this second Iger error. I would yeah. not be surprised if we don't see a one-year extension, a one-year extension, well, and then you know we're more seriously because all he has to tell the board is that he hasn't found a successor because the board knows what happened when he got forced into picking a successor right. last time. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the extensions, and and I, I, like I said, I don't know. Reading his book, I'm stunned that he even came back this time, but I'm not stunned at the same time, which is a weird place for me to be. Um, but I will tell you that his deal is only a, a base of $1 million with potential bonuses based on company performance up to about $27 million, I think, was the, the potential earnings he could make. So if they're hitting those targets... That's a lot of money to say no to if you can get an extension. I know he was making almost 50 when he was the, the CEO a few years ago. But right now, if they hit all of the incentives in his in his contract right now for the two years, he would make, I think, between 25 and $27 million each year. So it's a lot of money to say no to. It's, it's a lot of Monopoly money to say no to. Um, so I'd be interested to see if that holds up. And again, I, I hate to say... Um, a, a guy like uh, Zach Ridley, who's in WDI right now, who's a pretty big Imagineer, does a lot of the stuff on their social medias. I don't know if the company is going to go to a, a truly creative guy as as their lead. But what do you think of splitting it, guy, like Eisner and Wells did? Eisner and Wells, where Wells ran the production side of it and Eisner ran the park side of it. Is there someone in Imagineering a guy like um, I, I don't even know here, um, uh, Kevin Rafferty, who has retired and is kind of or a Joe Rody type guy that maybe they run the park side of it. They, they run the creative side and then the, the, the business and movie side is handled differently. I mean, honestly, it goes back to the beginning. What did this company build its legs on? You had Walt Disney and Roy Disney. You had the imagination and you had the business savvy. Um, I think they would be, I don't think this is a job that one person can do uh, one man or woman. I think they should kind of split it between a creative and a, you know, 
a financial mind who can kind of bring it all together. And honestly, what's terrible about that mindset, especially if they go forward with that, is Bob Chapek probably would have been great as one half. He probably would have yeah. been a great the, – the financial side, he would have taken care of that. No problem if you could have had a face out there to kind of handle the creative and just all the media stuff. I don't think he was equipped for that. And I think you kind of need – not necessarily an Imagineer, but you need somebody who is just connected to more than just the financials. It's not just a theme park company. It's not just an entertainment company. Although, as we've said a bunch of times here tonight and in our discussions, that's kind of where the company is going. But with that, too, it's just like the company literally has two failing animation departments. Like, what is the plan for that? Pixar is dead. Disney animation is dead. They they spike out a hit every five movies. They're they're really, really struggling. And I don't know how just one person who looks at, you know, you know, dollars and cents is going to fix that. Yeah. So it's your understanding then that very much like the Star Wars universe, there is always two, a master and an apprentice. Absolutely. The rule of two. So for me, I just, I'm going to leave you with my final Bob Chapek thought and then turn it to Tim to kind of bring us home here is I always envisioned Bob Chapek walking into boardrooms and yelling at people, especially with the shaved head and the beard. And, and this is what I envision him saying. Walt Disney built this in a cave with scraps. And that's what I'm thinking here, that he, Walt Disney, did all of this in the 50s. And now Bob Chapek is six years into his build of an off-the-shelf roller coaster that is still not complete. Guy, Tim, it's been fun for me. Timothy, take us home here. What's your final thoughts on Chapek and Iger? I, I mean... I think I've said as, as much as I can about this. The one thing that I think is incredibly interesting about all this is there was a off the record meeting about three months ago at some of the previews for, I don't know, um, D, before D23, I believe, where Bob Chapek had a closed door meeting with all the major theme park, social media reporters and influencers. And by all accounts, everyone who was in that meeting says that Bob Chapek it was a completely different person than he presented himself to the media, to his public persona, where he had a innate understanding. He had vision. And to this day, all those people said they have no idea why he wasn't that guy more often. And I guess now we're never going to get to find out what the deal with that was. And maybe that meeting was just him trying to rehab his public image to his harshest public critics that could influence, you know, the type of people who would follow those people's D23 coverage. Um, but never a dull moment when it comes to, you know, reporting on the parks and the Disney company and how this amazing company that, that captivates and fascinates us and has made us lifelong fans of it and is constantly changing and growing. And I'm sure many of you who, who listen to the podcast regularly know that we've kind of been not too high on not only just the changes, but the announcements and, you know, D23 and our, our general enthusiasm for, for the choices that they're making and, and have been doing a lot of shows that are kind of about what we would do differently or what, what course corrections we think they could make. And uh, now really starts a new, another new chapter 
of, of watching how this singular company gets to change and grow and evolve and, and continue the legacy of one man's dream. My final thoughts for all the Iger people out there, be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it all. That's our show for this week. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Be safe, be happy, be healthy. I think we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Good night, Ohana.